You are listening to the Explore the Bible Students Leader Training Podcast, where we take a closer look at each session and prepare you, the leader, to teach the Bible and point students to Christ. Hey, Drew Dixon here, editor of Explore the Bible Students, back with you to study session 11 to help you prepare to teach session 11, which is called God Suffers. And the key, uh, they're the passage of scripture that we'll be looking at is Isaiah 53, 1 through 12. Our central truth is this, the one true God establishes his kingdom and restores us to himself by suffering for us. So I mentioned before that Isaiah 6 is maybe the most famous story. In Isaiah, this is probably the most famous passage. Uh, This passage is quoted many times in the New Testament, and it's quoted at really key junctures in in the New Testament. And this is kind of the key, really one of the key chapters in the Bible that tells us what kind of Messiah the Messiah is, um, that gives us key information that helps us see that Jesus really is the Messiah that the Old Testament promised. Because the Messiah envisioned here, we saw this a bit in Isaiah 49, but it's even more clear here, this Messiah is a suffering servant. He would accomplish the salvation that God promised to bring from heaven to earth by suffering and ultimately dying. Um, it couldn't be more clear. In fact, when you read past uh, portions of this section of Isaiah, it almost feels like you're reading from the New Testament. It says things like this about the, about the Messiah, about the suffering servant. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him, the servant, for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep silent before his she- before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of the oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, but he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and he had not spoken deceitfully. So this passage clearly envisions a Messiah who saves people by dying for them and by suffering even though he was innocent. In other words, suffering even though he did not deserve to suffer. And suffering in a very specific way, suffering to bring atonement, to bring forgiveness. His suffering was substitutionary. That's a big theological word that you might hear in church sometimes, but it means that he was suffering in the place of his people. His people should have suffered for their rebellion, their rejection of God, for their selfishness, for their idolatry, for all the things we've seen in Isaiah that the people of Judah were doing wrong, like ignoring the poor and and in fact crushing the poor and doing evil towards them so that they could get ahead, um, worshiping false gods, um, all these things that we've seen, you know, trusting in chariots, right, instead of God, instead of the power of God. All these things, all these ways that God's people have gone astray, like his people should have been punished for those things. But God, in his infinite love and, and holiness, determined to be the sacrifice for his people's sin. In other words, to take the punishment that his people deserve so that he could show his justice and his love all in one. Um, God is going to set the world right. 
He will not stand by and look upon the world with indifference. He will heal it, but he does it by self-sacrifice. And so this is, this is just such a beautiful, beautiful passage. Um, I want to point you to uh, the given answer on page 110 in your leader guide. It says this, Studying Isaiah 53 might make us wonder, why did Jesus need to suffer so brutally and face rejection? Couldn't God have accomplished our salvation another way? Um, when we, when we're, that's a question your students might bring up. That's a question that's thrown around a lot today. And here's what I would say. It would be really arrogant for us to think we have a better plan than God. But secondly, the Bible affirms that God was in control of all things, and it also affirms is in, God is in control of all things, and secondly, it affirms that we're responsible for our behavior, the way that we live. God has given us freedom to choose. And what makes the cross a profound act of love is that while we have all chosen to rebel against God, God himself chose to take upon our sin. God himself chose to love us to that level. None of us want to live in a world where injustice wins, right? Where all that's broken in our world, all the ways that people are hurting each other and rebelling against God and bringing destruction into the world, that that just keeps on going, right? So the cross simultaneously demonstrates God's commitment to justice and his love for unjust people like us. And furthermore, it's important to note that Jesus himself chose the fate that was before him. Yes, we know that that was God's plan all along, but Jesus also prayed in the garden, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And additionally, Hebrews tells us that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. In other words, he looked at the cross and said, I know that good's going to come out of this. I know that God's kingdom is going to be established because of this. And so he willingly embraced the cross because he loves us. So that sets before us another way that the cross frees us. It frees us to stop living for ourselves and to give of ourselves for the good of the people around us. To stop being so focused on getting what we want, getting what we need, thinking that we're in charge, thinking that we, um, you know, we need to get people to do what we want and get on board with our agenda. It gives us a new agenda, a good agenda of, of God, of living for God's glory and sharing, spreading the good news about Jesus. So let's think about some ways we could willingly choose to suffer, to love and serve the people around us and point them to Jesus. It's a great note to end on. How can we do that? What are some small ways you could send your students out into the world this week, uh, encourage your students to go out into the world this week that they live in, in their neighborhoods, in their schools, uh, in their families, with the love of Jesus, uh, prepared to to give a little bit of themselves, to sacrifice their wants and desires for, for, for a moment at least, to love other people, point them to Jesus, and hopefully share the hope that they have in Christ with them. Can't wait to dig into our next session with you, which is session 12 next week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Explore the Bible Students Leader Training Podcast, where we equip you, the leader, to teach the Bible and point students to Christ. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Spotify. You can also find the podcast on ministrygrid.com.